Hello, and welcome to the High Yellow Podcast. I'm Devin Johnson. This podcast will mostly consist of interviews with a diverse group of people, and in, in addition to some social commentary. In those interviews, we'll be exploring personal histories and perspectives on race, and often with special attention paid to the Black experience. Today on the High Yellow Podcast, we'll be speaking with, I'll be speaking with David Barthold, a Brooklyn-based street artist whose work caught my attention a few years back uh, because of its graphically striking nature and social and racial justice themes. He's got a very insightful approach, which I hope you'll find as interesting as I do. So here we go. Here with David Barthold, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Barthold. Barthold, um, an artist out of Brooklyn who I've come to know over the past few years loosely. Uh, his art is very powerful and a lot of it is grounded in the social justice movements. And um, I think he has an interesting background and a lot to offer. So I wanted to welcome him and find out what, um, how he's relating to it and how he sees it from his perspective and, and go from there. But first I wanna ask you about your background and, and you told me some interesting things about your folks um, and how they came. So maybe you can tell me about your, your dad's being an immigrant to the country and, and leading from there. Sure, yeah, he came over the border from Canada as a baby uh, with his parents on a, on a tourist visa, which they actually overstayed uh, illegally. Um, his, his father was Norwegian and his mother was Scottish. And um, so, yeah, he was a babe in arms when he came over and he grew up in the United States. And certainly I feel he was, he and his, his folks were, 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 were welcomed uh, in, in this country. Um, but he grew up during the, the, the depression and uh, his family was on public relief. He was one of five children. And um, he, he grew up in, in, in a community, I think that accepted him and welcomed him. He's a, you know, comes from a white family. He's living in a white Community. I don't think there was any any stigma attached to his immigrant status, but um, he did, you know. Uh, I think he had a keen sense of, of res- responsibility and and a really strong work ethic from an early age. Uh, when when the uh, the war broke out, uh, he he enlisted. He left college to to enlist in the army, and he served as a foreign national, as a British subject. Um, under George Patton during the Battle of the Bulge, the later phase of the war, and he only became a citizen after he he returned from the war. So I, that that kind of gives me a perspective on on what it meant for him to be an American that it wasn't something to be taken for granted. Um, and I think he, he felt like he had to earn his connection to the country, and that he he had a, a kind of a debt of of service in a way. Uh, to the country because of that. Mm. That seemed to be more a popular sentiment back in those times, you know, where, where people felt uh, gratitude towards the country and, and owed, owed it at a service in a way. And it sounds like he, he felt it even more so coming from another country. And yeah, where, so they, where did they settle? Uh, they settled in, in well, they, they kind of hopscotched from, from one house to another because... Um, I think they frequently couldn't pay the rent, um, so they they would kind of play the the rent game where you'd you get the first month free and then start a new you know, start a new lease. But um, they settled eventually in Winnetka, Illinois, 
his parents uh, con consciously chose that community because of the, the high quality of the schools in that area. Oh wow! He's basically, a Chicago native. Uh -huh. And then he, and then how did he? Um, how did he and your mom meet? And, and he went to law school on the GI Bill, and he got he got kind of scooped at, in, at, in, into a, a, a good job at a, right out of law school. He moved to New York in 51 and um, he joined a, uh, a, a singing group, a village light opera group in, in, in the West Village. And my mother had just moved from from Michigan after graduating and they, they, uh, they met through uh, a Gilbert and Sullivan group oh. and married in 1957. So it was a, through a cultural activity. Wow, that's interesting. And, and so you grew up there? We moved from Manhattan to Queens, to Jackson Heights, and we were there until 69, and then we moved out to Long Island. Uh -huh. So I basically grew up in, in Queens. Mm -hmm. and, and as you grew up, your folks were still pretty involved in, in social justice movements and, and rights? My mother uh, protested the Vietnam War, which was, not, was kind of an edgy thing to do at that time. Yeah. Uh, wasn't necessarily a politically popular thing, and, and I don't think many. I think I had a reflexive patriotism as a kid. I, I joined the Boy Scouts, and I thought it was, you know, your duty to respect and revere political leaders. Um, I mean, I, I had a, a sort of a moment of, um, I, I remember weeping at Eisenhower's funeral, and only later did my parents rather gently kind of um, oriented me to their standpoint as toward, uh, toward the, the national leadership and explained why they, they would not, for example, necessarily agree with my respect for certain political figures and why, why, they, why they did not agree. And it slowly began to dawn on me that we were, um, we did have a political orientation, but it did not come to me, it wasn't given to me polemically. I wasn't told what to think. I was I, I was invited into the conversation. So so your relationship to the the, the movement that's happening now is, is just an extension of all of that. It seems it's an extension of that, and it's also an extension. It's it's part of my own nature. I mean, I I chose to go to um, the college that I attended, Overland College, and I chose to remain there, and I chose to become involved in in political causes as a student and after um, in, in Brooklyn and Paris, that that was my choice. Uh, they're not, they're not, they weren't prescribed for me. I mean, I had my own, my own nature and my own conscious consciousness and my own, my own thinking that, that, that led me into those things. But in my understanding of it, it was very much guided by what I thought my heritage was. Right. So can you explain, and this is kind of a broad question, but how do you, um, maybe just your uh, educational arc and how, and how you got into being a teacher and how um, the art, art has developed, um, maybe in parallel with that? I'm a product of New York City Public Schools and I went to good schools. I had good teachers. And um, it gave me, I don't know, it, it, was, it was just, that's what it means to be a New Yorker. You're, you're with all these other kids and you, 
you listen, you, you learn, you know, um, you make friends, you make enemies sometimes, but I very much feel like this is in my, my blood and my bones as a native New Yorker is to be present in, in my city and to, and to take part. And I just felt like, um, as a, as, as a, as an artist, I wanted to be, I also wanted to be very, very honest and very, very connected to what was actually happening around me in, 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 in an honest way. And that sometimes made me feel like a little alienated from the art world because I, I sometimes I, I just felt like there was this bubble um, that people dwelt in in the art world and it, it wasn't it, it wasn't um, I don't know how to put it um, I wanted to I wanted to do things and to make art that was really authentic to my experience as a as a New Yorker and eventually that that led me certainly recently into doing work that was more explicitly politically conscious, certainly in the light of the present movement. Mm. But I thought art, art is a communication tool. It's a communication tool. It's not, it's not necessarily a, a commodity. I mean, within capitalism, it is a commodity. I mean, we're all part of capitalism. You know, you, you make something, somebody wants to buy it, you sell it, you're, you're transacting an object, you're selling an object. Right. And it, it has like a commodity value within the art market, if, if it's saleable, but I don't really look at the work I'm doing now as as such. I think it's it's a way of amplifying a message or putting your voice in into the room, being part of the music, and and, and making yourself visible and, and taking a taking a position. And how long do you think has that been the case? It's really about engagement. It's really about engagement, and, and as, a, as, a, as a teacher, as a high school teacher, which I feel very lucky to be able to do, I, I, the, all, all, of, all of teaching is about engagement, your, your, your personal professional connection with your students, your ability to communicate effectively, to empathize, um, to call your students up to, to, um, to their own abilities, um, to encourage their potential, to reward them, to recognize them, to see them, uh, and to listen. And, and, I see my art as an engagement tool. It's an extension of that. It, it's it's a, you're throwing a bigger net over a wider audience, but um, it actually makes a, a big difference, I think, to my students to know that I'm an artist. I, I have a, a, an art club that I hold after school. I drew draw portraits of my students. And I, I came to realize very quickly what a tremendous affirmation uh, it can be to a young person to have their portrait done and to have it on display in the classroom. Um, I mean, not many of us actually get the chance to be portrayed by an artist. So I, I, I kind of just bring that out into the world a little bit when I, if I'm, if I'm doing a portrait of, of, of um, George Floyd or John, John Lewis, or I'm working on, on one right now, I don't know if it's quite recognizable yet, <laughs> but um, it it resonates out there. When you put it up, it's 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 not it's not going out into a vacuum. It's it's not going out into a void. People, it's a signal. You're saying something, and people people recognize. They bring their own questions to it. Sometimes the works are vandalized. Sometimes people write kind of affirming messages on them. Uh -huh. But it's engagement. You're 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 making yourself present. You're you're listening as well as. I'm speaking.
I'm, I'm interested to hear about a little bit more about the portraits and how your students react to them. Is that you think, is that something where it's a reflection of themselves and they're, they're able to see themselves as it were? Not just, not just visually, but to realize, hey, I, I'm, I'm alive, I'm a person, I'm, this is something besides, because you're stuck inside yourself, as, a, as a, especially as a child. Right? The whole world is just out there and it's sometimes overwhelming. And recognize that you're a part of that and can see yourself from outside of that could be, I think, probably empowering. I think it is empowering. It, it art is in 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 some respect, it's a way of saying this is important to you know. It, it, it's mark making down through the ages, you know, from the Paleolithic era. You're <clears throat> you're signifying importance or or power um, by depicting uh, a person, an animal, a place. Uh, you, it's a way of attaching yourself to it, and I think that a well drawn portrait. Um, it does have a tremendous empowering uh, effect on, it dignifies a person, especially a, a young person. And also the fact that it's, it's not digital, it's not something that's, it's not facile, it, it actually takes effort, it takes time, I have to spend time with my subjects, they spend time with me. Um, it's, it's a way of, it's kind of like having lunch, except there's no food. Um, so the, the food you're, 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 you're you're feasting on is, is, is the image. Um, so it binds you a little bit to the other person and, and it, it, it's, uh, it's kind of an easy way to make yourself approachable as an older person. Um, and it, it's, it's a universal medium. It's something that everybody instantaneously understands. Sight is the primary sense. The, the, the simplest creatures have, have sight. If, if, if they don't have hearing, they have sight. And, and I feel like that's our primary sense. It's not it's not speech, it's not touch, it's, it's sight. So we navigate the world by sight primarily. So to have your 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 image made manifest in a, in a work of art, that's that can be really, really powerful. We see it again and again. So you have an art club, but are you teaching art or are you teaching something else? No, my subject is dental technology. I'm a dental technician uh, by training and um, so primarily, we're, we're we're teaching a health healthcare curriculum, and my specialty is is dental technology. So our, our our high school is what's known as a CTE Career and Technical Education School, and we have a pharmacy program and a dental technology program, and uh, I'm the dental technology department. Oh, wow. So it's it's a very tactile it's a very tactile um, subject. There's a lot of hands-on projects that I I lead my students through. And um, I have to say, it's a pretty, it's a pretty happy room. It's pretty, it's a pretty popular class, and um, it's it's one of the one of the things that makes it easy for me to get along with my students is that it's not strictly didactic. There's a lot of tactile, hands-on work, and um, I, I kind of think of myself as a crypto artist. I really am teaching an art um, centered on human anatomy, restorative anatomy. But um, it's easier to kind of bring all those other academic topics and the terminology and the anatomy into it if the students can actually enact the knowledge by making something with it. Uh, what, so maybe you can explain what we don't have. I'm not aware of those types of schools out here. 
how does that how does it come to be? Is, is it charter school type or? No, these are public schools, but um, it's it, in, in back in the day they would have been called vocational schools when our, the country was more centered on industrial employment. But I think we've come around to the thinking that um, there's a great deal to be gained by preparing students for the workplace. So it's it's, it's work-based learning primarily, where students as seniors are given internships and medical practices, uh, hospitals, dental offices, um, pharmacies. And, and this is a, it's, I can't tell you what a tremendously empowering and enlightening experience it is for most of our students to actually be placed in a work setting, professional work setting and paid for their work and, and given responsibility. It, it, um, it's one thing to sit in a classroom and kind of learn what you're told to learn. Even if you're a high performing student, it's, it's a little bit dry, it's a little bit abstract, but yeah. to actually be given work, meaningful work in the presence of other people who take you seriously and expect maturity and, and, and uh, clarity, and promptness, professionalism from you, that's an eye-opener. It's, it's, I liken it to what happens when your child leaves your home to go to school. Um, when my son went to school, he'd come back with a, as though he'd, he'd just spoken to Moses come, who'd come down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets. He'd, he'd been given this wisdom and it was very hard to, to argue with them because my teacher said this, my teacher said that. He, he, he was an avid learner he, and he'd, he'd found something for himself out in the world that he brought back home. And I think our students, our high school students are finding something for themselves when they go on these internships and they see for themselves, they discover for themselves, oh, this anatomy is all, it's all true. The science is true. People are, people are speaking and, and talking and, and, and acting on the knowledge that I share. So it, it's, it's a tremendously val validating experience for them. Even if they don't continue in, in the healthcare field, somehow I think they, they all yearn to be taken seriously and to be given hard work. I mean, I remember just lusting after difficulty as a, as a young man, I really wanted to bury myself in, in, in difficult, meaningful work that was rewarding. And I think most of our young people have the same attitude today. Well, that's, that can be really powerful for someone that age. I can, I, I see myself in their shoes and what opportunity that is. Um, so it's interesting to me that you 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 still in, incorporate art with your students, um, but I'd like to hear more about your your art specifically. And um, you know, now you've expressed what, what motivates you um, with regard to subject, but you know, what mediums do you use, and what how do you go about your process? Well. The medium I'm, I'm using now is linoleum cutting. And um, I, my background is as, as an engraver. So it's, it's, it's very easy for me to cut these blocks um, in, in, in as far as technical dexterity. Um, sometimes figuring out an image or, or, or mapping the image out or interpreting the image correctly can be a challenge. But um, for me, it's, 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 rel it's a relatively quick and easy medium, and it also has an impl implicitly graphic nature. It's very, very, I mean, you can see the images behind me, I trust easily and clearly. And when, once they're posted up on the street, honestly, you can read them from half a block away 
even I can see them very, very clearly when I'm nearsighted. And one of the reasons I, I, I choose this medium is that it's black and white, it's, it's very visible and it's implicitly political. Um, you look at a lot of propaganda art from the early 20th century, the 19th century, much of it was done on, on, um, on letterpress. It was done uh, with wood engravings or wood, woodcuts. Really, um, most of the didactic iconographic art that goes down to the ages is done um, with woodblock, with relief printing. Um, later, lithography, other forms came into it, intaglio etching, engraving. But it's the simplest, quickest, and clearest way to express a, a, a visual thought. And for, for my purposes as a street artist, it's also the most exciting because nobody really puts up original prints on the street. It's, it's very unusual to see an original print, an ink on paper print. You see a lot of stickers. You see, um, you see a lot of commercial printing. Um, which is more like a little bit more polished uh, for color, um, but, and, and run off in, in, great, in great quantities, usually advertising some, some commercial product or, or, or an event. And I think we've, be, we've become a little bit blind to commercial printing because it's, it's usually produced at such a high sophisticated level and in such high volume, it's so ubiquitous that you don't really see it anymore. It doesn't really grab you the way that I'm sure um, it's intended to, um, because I think we've, we've, been, we've become sort of visually jaded by slickness. You put up something that's not sophisticated, that's on a piece of newsprint, that it ages, it becomes tattered, and, and it has a kind of a ephemeral quality. Somehow this, this is, for me, a little bit more visually engaging than the more sophisticated print mediums that are available. That, that's one of the things I prize about the work on the street that I put up is that it ages, it kind of wilts like a, like a flower. You can, it has a, an expiration date. It goes away after a while, it'll, it'll rain a few times and it goes away. And you can, you can kind of see it age and it, sometimes it becomes more beautiful as it does as it discolor, discolors and it ages. When I saw it, I thought like it was a block print. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, from Boyd, could it, because of the dimension that it, that's inherent there. And so it's really striking. Um, how, um, as a street artist, what, what, what are your goals? Um, obviously, to meet your messages, to, sorry, to, com to communicate your message um, and have that engagement. Um, I appreciate that. How do you, like, are you taking an original print and then doing like a wheat paste version of that? Yeah, what I do is is I, I I print I print up my prints on a newsprint, and then I go around with a bucket of paste, and I I find um, what looks like a likely spot, um, most preferably a, a flat door, or a um, sometimes a light post, and if if it's in a propitious location, and and there aren't too many people around, I'll 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 paste it up. And the reason I use newsprint is because it's um, the cheapness of the paper makes it stick really easily to, uh, to the surface with the paste that I use. If you use higher quality paper, the resilience of the paper um, and the grain of the paper tend to uh, make it resist 
bluing. So as soon as it, it rains, the paper starts to peel, it wants to, it wants to be flat again and it starts to peel off the surface. Um, it's almost like it has a, a surface tension to it and it wants to kind of re recover its original form. But the cheaper forms of paper, like newsprint, they, they, they're, they're, they're such crap. <laughs> it's just pulp. It just kind of disintegrates <laughs> as soon as you paste it on, on, onto a surface and it's just sort of like, I'm good. You know, it just, it just stays there. So it, 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 it really lends itself to, to quick and easy posting. And also, when, you, when you're going around posting, I have a bag full of posts in my, in, you know, in, by my side, and, and it's just kind of easy to fold them up and, and have them lined up in your bag and, and, and grab them and, and kind of whip them out and, and paste them quickly and move on. And heavier paper, heavier paper is, is, it doesn't really lend itself to that kind of quick okay. extraction and delivery I've found. Um, so there's a technical side to it. I mean, it's sure. it's an art. There's a skill. You have to plan it. You have to plan it out. You really have to kind of move quick, uh, pace pace quick, um, do a good job, get your edges down, and um, and then move along. M mostly, you almost never get bothered by people. Um, if people don't like your post, typically they'll they'll take them down or they'll efface them after you've put them up. They don't they don't really confront you. But I'm not really looking for uh, encounters when I go out. Yeah. I kind of want to be anonymous. I kind of hit it and quit it. But but what few encounters I've had have been have been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, what typically happens is somebody says something something good about their work, or they and if, if anybody anybody approaches me and and, and compliments the work, I, I usually offer them uh, a poster. I was I was going to ask what the response has been to. I mean, we mentioned the George Floyd, um, and I know the John Lewis one is, is more recent. But um, what has been? What's your impression of the response to the George Floyd poster? I, I know for me, I had a visceral reaction to it immediately, and um, it's just such a powerful image. Uh, what have you seen there locally? The, the reaction was um, overwhelmingly um, positive. The, the 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 post that I originally put up, I put up with my wife and my son. They, they asked to go out with me, and we we put up about thirty posters in my area. And um, I was astounded because they they were untouched for for weeks. I mean, I circulate through the area, and I could see what was up, and people were photographing them or asking me about them. And there was a lot of respect for those. Yeah. those uh, those posters and and eventually I began to see some effacement um, one of my followers called my attention to it. somebody scrawled something racist over one of them and I went the next day and I I, I just reposted over it um, and time has kind of worn some of them down but ov overall I mean I, I'm I'm kind of astounded at how much respect has been and and, and Positive response has been given to those those images. Mm. It shouldn't it shouldn't surprise me, but um, I, I was very positively surprised by the reception. I was I was surprised by the response. Oh, good, good. Well, it, it's deserved because it's. I mean, it's just so moving. Um, you did a small run for charity on the George Floyd one. Um, 
we were still in lockdown. So with the help of friends, um, I managed to produce a, a run of 200 prints, which um, with the help of friends, I, I, I put online and uh, raised about, in round numbers, about $1,000 uh, for Black Lives Matter and, and other causes. Um, and, but you expressed to me some hesitancy about promoting that. Um, not promoting it. Um, I, I, I wanted to make sure that um, I was aligned with the movement and that um, I wasn't promoting myself. Um, it's movement art. So it's important to me that it be understood as such. And of course, I mean, I take pride in, 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 in my work and I have an ego like every other man in the world, but um, I wanted to kind of draw a line between my professional interest as an artist and my participant uh, as, a, as a contributor to a movement right i think that's a you know as the movement grows it's becoming it's going to be harder to determine where that line is for a lot of people that are involved or groups that are involved um you know as it being it being as small as it was until recently i don't think that was really a, an issue but uh you know other people have different motives um, that can be hard to determine, I think, at some, at some points. But it, I think it's really interesting, though, how you, you, you have made that distinction. You were really conscious about it because it's easy to misinterpret that from, by people. Um, and I think people can take advantage of it because you see, like, so many T-shirts and people trying to sell merchandise based off the movement and there's no real way to decipher it unless you do the research i think as to what is real and what has real um proper motives as i call it behind it versus somebody who's more opportunistic so i think it's really i'm i'm, I'm so happy that you're aware of that and um i think it speaks to the kind of person that you are well, I, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I've had a good life. I'm very privileged. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm very well paid my job. I don't, I don't need money. And if I did need money, this wouldn't be, be the way I, I want to get it. <laughs> it's, it's, it. It's something that needs to be said or it's the voice that needs to be amplified. And so it, it should exist in a, in a different sphere than the things that I do to produce an income. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs to produce an income. There, there, there's certainly legitimate, legitimate need for people to make money. But um, in, in my case, um, I'm good. I just yeah. want to put my voice in. Mm. Able to do those things. Well, what are, are you? Are you seeing um, the, the community, the, the artist community, there contributing in other ways to the movement, or? Uh, I'm so far removed from Brooklyn and what's happening there. It'd just be interesting to get your take on what the interaction is um, other than just being involved in a protest. There are a lot of, there's a lot of street art that re reflects um, the Black Lives Matter movement right now. And, and it, it's, most of it is frankly in Soho because there's a slew of 
of stores that are just boarded up. There was just blank canvas everywhere uh, for people to, you know, to bust out and, and, and do these great paint jobs all over the place. And, and you know, I, I did a walkthrough last Thursday. Uh, I don't normally post in, in Manhattan. Um, and there, there's, there, there are things in Brooklyn, but frankly, I feel like what happened in, 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 in Manhattan was there was this vast closures took place and shutdowns took place. And with all that wood up, um, you know, it just kind of drew a lot of creative energy mm-hmm. out. And you see a lot of really glorious, um, experimental, really vivid, inventive, mm-hmm. amazing stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a street painter. I don't, I don't, I don't work on that scale and, and kind of like my, here's my little, my little print over here, but, um, I can make a lot of them. So I just kind of keep, keep, you know, throwing them up and, um, you know, put my, put my little two cents into that, into that scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, 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 it's Brooklyn, Brooklyn is, is, is a different scene. I think it's a more, more local. I think it's more tight. Um, there's a lot of stuff up in, in Bushwick. That's just amazing. It's incredible. Um, I mean, I don't get around as much as I as I should, but but I'm awestruck by the energy and the creativity and the, the, just the raw talent that's up on the walls of the city, and it's it's exciting to me mm-hmm. to to be a New Yorker because it's that kind of like that that old kind of dirty badass New York that I grew up in is still there, where it's the creativity and and the disruption is just kind of seeping out of the, the seams, you know, it just, New Yorkers are loud and we're, we're, we're pushy, we have a lot to say and sometimes it just comes out visually. And I, I, I like that, I like to see that noise. I like to see that street art and be part of it. Um, and then, so the, the John Lewis, the John Lewis piece that you've done there, I mean, obviously he was an inspiration. Um, and just a powerful figure, uh, and ha- having having him pass was, to be honest, was really emotional for me. Um, he's kind of he was the last of the big six, um, and never wavered in his his belief and his hope. And I think that um, it's kind of interesting to see. It. I mean, now that I'm thinking of it, a little bit of a contrast between him. Between the between George Floyd and and John Lewis, um, but how they both represent the movement in, in its entirety. Um, yeah, the arc of the movement. I mean, the, the, it's also kind of an educational process for me because um, to just reading about. I mean, I, I, I was certainly aware of, of of John Lewis and and who he was, and I'm dimly aware of what what he had done in, in the 60s, but reading anew about what he was put through and what he chose to put himself through, I was just, I was just awestruck by his courage and uh, his, his persistence, his determination uh, to just continually walk through fire again and again and, and stand up to evil. And what the reason I chose the, this particular source image, it was a, a mugshot. It was taken in Nashville, Tennessee, Tennessee is that he, it's, it's a pretty astounding picture because it's not, it's not John Lewis as most of us think of him 
um, now you think of the, you know, the he's very patriarchal and majestic and you know got the gravity of, of time uh, on him and and you, you look at this mugshot and you see a, a, a vulnerable young man he's been he's been attacked he's been hurt he's angry he's seen he's he's rediscovered evil and he's got this 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 look of this kind of unstoppable it's like he's a monster of determination he's just you know unstoppable and and you see this in his face all these different qualities within him seem to speak through the image and and he also looks like this is a guy i i i could imagine being killed today you know he's he's a young black man you see him as a young black man I think like yeah this dude could get killed today um you know it's like open season on black bodies yeah this this, this guy this guy could be the one he could be the next one who who gets killed he's he's young he's vulnerable he's profilable he's not he's not a senator you know he's not he's not a congressman he's not he's not a political um patriarch he's 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 a kid you know, he's 20 years old or it, it just it just it's made him much so much more vivid to me than the portraits of him as an older man mm -hmm. Yeah, you can, you can really see the, the determination in, in his face, especially in those images of him when he's young. I, mean, I believe he started when he was 15 in the movement. And it was, I think he was 23 when he spoke at the March on Washington. He was the first speaker. And evidently, I've, I've heard that they, um, he had to rewrite his speech at the March on Washington because it was too volatile, so, which I'm surprised he did knowing what I know of his, you know, his, his nature, but um, such a powerful figure and it's really sad to see him, see him go. And you're right, the, the, the youth in that photo really portrays him as, or you, you can see him as, as, as a victim, you know, and it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to me. So um, I'm, thank you for giving me that background on on the image and how you came to why you chose it and and, and to portray it that way. I think that gives it even more uh, resonance, and uh, I'm grateful for it. Um, and I, I need to get a copy. I'm going to send you some. Oh, I'll, 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 I will. You will get a copy. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to go in my collection of of your art, uh, my small collection I've started. Um, more to come, more to come. Well, do you have, oh, what, do you have any idea what's next, speaking of more to come? Um, I'm working on a portrait of, of AOC. Ah. And, and um, that's coming together. And um, no, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. We live in exciting times. It's yeah. <laughs> disturbing, sickening times, but exciting times. And um, it's 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 just great to to be able to be present and to participate and to add something, even even a little something, you know, to the positive energy that I see going on around me. And I also feel like it's well, I have a responsibility to set an example for younger people 
um, who I, I, I'm just, you know, we, we've been to a few demonstrations and yeah, I was, I was young once, but to see what they are willing to do, what they're willing to give to the movement, the energy and, you know, the rage and the love and the encouragement, the hard work, it's just, it's just so inspiring and so awesome mm. that, um, I want to be able to contribute what I, what I can, even just as a, as a, a signal of affirmation, posting an image on the street. Um, people see it and it says something to them. It says it's your way of affirming what's important. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, the movement needs as much affirmation as it can get in, every, in any way possible. Even those subtle images, you know, seeing them over and over again in different places, whether it's your art or other street art, I think can really empower somebody. You know, and I think what you said about rage and love together, feeling those things, I think that's such a hard thing to get your head around, but I think that's exactly what what people are feeling. You know, the rage for um, just the predicament that's, that's going on and the, the love for the people um, together is just such a powerful thing. And I wish I had more words to, to be more eloquent about what that feeling is like, but it, it feels like that's what I'm carrying every day, you know, and I, I think no, I, it, are. it's, 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 um, what you're saying reminds me, um, what, what, what people see matters and not, it's not just what they hear. And I, I feel like, yeah. The street art that I see is a way, it's a way of claiming public space, reclaiming public space, that all that mural painting and, and street art in, in Soho and in Bushwick around Brooklyn and New York, it's a, it's a way of just saying we're, we're here and this is what we're thinking, this is what we're feeling, and this is what you're seeing. Yeah. That, that it's not about, you know, underwear and, and sneakers all the time. It's, it's about ideas and people's and people's lives. Yeah, it's a it's a protest in in in, in and of itself. You know, I think it's so so valuable. I think and and, and needed. Uh, anyway, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to cover, but I, I you're welcome to bring up any subject. But I'm I'm really grateful for the time you've given me, and um, I've learned a lot, and uh, hopefully. Uh, I'll be looking for your art in, in the future and we can continue to pass this message of hope on. We will. Um, and no, I, th I thank you for, for your interest and your attention and the, the opportunity you gave me to put my voice in. I appreciate it. Okay, so that's our interview with David Barthold. Uh, I, I find him fascinating. Uh, I hope you did too. If you want to look for uh, more of his work or uh, look into him further, you can find him at davidbarthold.net, D-A-V-I-D-B-A-R-T-H-O-L-D.net. And his Instagram page is David F, as in Frank, Barthold. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, see you next time.